Are you a mom launching kids into adulthood? If so, you need to know about my Empty Nest Mom Retreat. It is the gathering for moms who have at least one child over the age of 18 or who have launched them all and have a full empty nest. September 27th through the 29th are the dates, and Cedar Lake Retreat Center in Cedar Lake, Indiana is the place. You can fly into Chicago airports and drive to Cedar Lake in a little over an hour. Come join me. Best Value Registration is available through May 27th, and space is limited to just 100 moms, so don't delay. Check out jillsavage.org slash retreat to register today. We really have to be intentional about us because our heads are filled with lies about ourselves, about others, about God, about life. And, and if we're not aware of that, there's always a whisper of lies that is coming our way. And so we have to pay attention to what's going on up there. Where am I making assumptions? Where do I have unrealistic expectations? Where am I believing lies about myself? Welcome to the No More Perfect Podcast, where we talk about the messy, less than perfect, but real stuff of life. My name's Jill Savage, and I'll be your host. I'm so glad you're here. Well, hello, friends. I hope this finds you well. You know, one of the things that just really excites me is having the opportunity to speak at live events. I love hanging with the people that I love to encourage, and that's you. And so whether it is a banquet, a seminar, a conference, I love having the opportunity to share in person. Now, today's episode's a little different because what I'm going to share with you is a audio of a message that I delivered at a live event. It was recorded at the Ignite the Family conference. And what we're going to look at today is we're going to look at where our heart and our mind are. And if we determine that our heart and our mind are not in a good place, how do we push it in a different direction? I think you're going to find this very helpful. Thank you. Wow. That Hey, I got a standing ovation. Thanks, Sally. That was a great way to do that. <laughs> oh my goodness. Well, I do confess that when, um, by the way, this is my daughter, Anne. Say hello to Anne. <laughs> um, I do confess that when I was, I first heard about the theme of this year's conference, the whole shape thing, The first thing I thought of was something that I talked about at a mom's night out years ago. In fact, I believe it was when Anne was pregnant with our very first grandchild. And one of the things that uh, we were uh, talking about was it was when Anne was pregnant and uh, everybody was embracing the bump, right? It was about embrace. That's normal now. But back when she was pregnant nine years ago, that was just kind of getting started. Now you have to understand when I was pregnant 500 years ago, it was all about the tent. You just wore tents. Okay. There was no embracing the bump. 
So what I said several years ago at one of our Moms Night Out is I said, I think that we have made incredible progress, right? That we are embracing the bump. I think it's beautiful. We're embracing life. We're embracing a woman's body when she is producing life. I think that is beautiful. But what we haven't yet embraced that we still need to work on is embracing the post-baby baby bump. <laughs> right? Right? We still got to work on that one because it's just not uh, nearly as acceptable as that, um, that uh, baby bump is. Well, I want to talk to you today about the concept of shape, but not from that physical shape perspective, but instead I want us to think about it from a mental and a spiritual perspective. Because what is shaping us up here makes some huge differences. The concept of this comes from Proverbs 4.23. Be careful how you think your life is shaped by your thoughts. Man, that's like some real, I mean... That says a lot in just a few words. I want you to think about this. At worst, our thoughts indict us. They accuse us. They misinform us. They hold us hostage. They criticize us. At best, they actually point us in the right direction. They support us. They affirm who we are. But we often have to put that info in there so that, they, that our thoughts can be in the right direction. And I used to think that feelings caused thoughts. But I've really been working on this. You know, the Bible talks about the fact that we need to take our thoughts captive. And I've really been working on that, particularly, I would say, over the last 10 years, to understand how, what does that really look like if we take our thoughts captive? And the more I've understood this, the more I'm understanding that it's not feelings that cause thoughts, it's actually thoughts that cause feelings. And, and this is the way it works. Thoughts cause feelings, which then produce beliefs, which then cause actions, so then we will act based upon those beliefs that started with feelings which started with thoughts, and then we get certain results. I used to think that feelings was at the top of that, and then it went the other way, but I noticed that, that there's no Bible verse that says, take your feelings captive. It says, take your thoughts captive. What goes on here is huge. In fact, I did a little bit of research. Do you know the average person has 48 thoughts per minute? Okay, 48 thoughts. And if you do the math, that's 70,000 thoughts in a day. Okay, that's a lot of taking captive. And you really can't do, I mean, let's not take this literal. You're not going to be able to do that. But what you are going to be able to do is start paying attention to what's going on up here. What is actually happening between your ears? I mean, think about this. Our, our head is filled with all kinds of things. Expectations, 
our lens that we look at life through, our lies that we believe, uh, the assumptions that we make, the worries that we have, the disappointments we have, the judgments and criticism that we have, our to-do list, which, oh my goodness, never stops. I mean, my husband is astonished that, yes, even during intimacy, that the to-do list goes on. He's like, I don't understand that. I'm like, because you're not a woman. It just doesn't go away. Comparisons. I mean, we struggle. Hopes, dreams, fears, injustices that we want to stand up for. There is a lot going on in our head. But here's what I've learned. We do have a choice about our thoughts. Now, sure, we we can't control what might pop in there, but here's what we can control. Do we invite it to dinner or do we kick it back out the door? You see, that's what we begin to have to understand. And this is what I have come to learn is we must take our thoughts captive or our thoughts will take us captive. And what it means to actually take our thoughts captive is it simply means we gain control over what we think about ourselves, about others, and about life in general, maybe our circumstances. We become aware of that. This has been really at the forefront of my mind, particularly over the last 10 years, because of what happened in my marriage almost 10 years ago. And that was a a really dark season for my husband, which became a really dark season for our family. And it was during that time that, that when you ask Mark now, you ask him about this now, and you're welcome to. He's up at my booth, which is upstairs, and you kind of angle to the right when you're upstairs in the uh, exhibit room. But he's up there, and you feel free to talk with him about this. When he and I talk about the changes that have happened in the last 10 years, it comes down to thoughts. When we talk about what caused him to spiral emotionally, to eventually have an affair and to eventually leave was thoughts. It was what was going on up here that actually wasn't telling him the truth. Spiritual warfare is a very real thing. There is a lot of spiritual warfare that goes on up here. And if we don't recognize it, then we play right into its hands. And so when... My husband and I put our marriage back together. Um, I mean, it was two years of healing. Both of us have worked extremely hard at taking our thoughts captive. Because if you ask him, the number one reason why he left, why he was even tempted by the other relationship. It was because the thinking was skewed. Now, it doesn't feel skewed at the time. It doesn't feel that way at all. And if you will ask him, the only thing that he has majorly changed in the last 10 years, now there's been lots of little changes, but the only thing has been his thinking. 
He has, he has begun to focus even more on God's truth, um, comparing what's going on up here to God's word, um, learning how, because remember, there's been lots of little actions, but remember that little thing I said? Because it starts with thinking, which becomes feelings, and then feelings become beliefs, and beliefs becomes actions. So we've had lots of little actions, but it all started with what we were thinking And so one of the things that we really have to understand is how to allow our thoughts to shape us in the right direction. To not let those thoughts that want to take us in a wrong direction. The enemy wants to steal, divide, kill, destroy. And he will start to do that in a marriage based upon what we think about our spouse. He will even begin to do that with you and another child based upon what we think about that child. And so we really have to uh, understand this. So what I want us to look at is I, I believe that we need to pay attention to our inner monologue. We need to pay attention to our inner monologue. But there, I think that there are three areas that often do the most damage to us personally and the most damage to us as um, in our relationships. And those are expectations, assumptions, and lies. Expectations, assumptions, and lies. So let's dig into each one of these just a little better so we can understand how to allow God to shape our thinking, how to be intentional about what we let in there, how to take those thoughts captive and begin to realize when they're not telling us the truth. So the first thing I think we need to do is do some expectation observation. Some expectation observation. And when we do this, we become aware of our unrealistic expectations. Now, how do we know that they are unrealistic? Well, I'll tell you what, the first place, if you go, I don't even, I don't think my expectations are unrealistic, ask yourself, who am I consistently disappointed in? Maybe it's a spouse, maybe it's one of your children, maybe it's yourself. Maybe it's your mother-in-law. Who am I consistently disappointed in? And I will promise you, there are some unrealistic expectations there. That is one of the first places to look. Now, our unrealistic expectations come from all kinds of places. Uh, One of the places they come from is the manual that you and I all have. You have one. You might not know that you have it, but you have one. Okay, it came from your home of origin. It came from uh, your experiences in life. And your manual tells you that this is the way life should be. This is the way a husband should be. This is what should happen. This is what God should do. And just like Grace talked about this morning, we should all over each other, right? We do. And so we need to understand that. I, will remember, I remember one of the first times I was thinking about this as I was kind of getting ready for this weekend, and I thought, you know, one of the first times I remember my manual showing up was on my honeymoon, okay? Mark and I got married, and we um, took a road trip and um, eventually got to the Grand Canyon, but we stayed in the Rocky Mountains, and we camped, by the way. Oh, boy, that's romantic. <laughs> so here we are. 
We are camping somewhere in the Rocky Mountains. It, uh, we're, excuse me, we're setting up camp. It is raining outside, and somehow we get sideways with each other, okay? And we have our first big blowout fight three days after we got married. And I got so frustrated, I took off up this mountain road. It was like a gravelly road. I just took off, and I just, you know, up there, and I'm, I'm just, you know, figuring out in my head, like, you know, I'm right. I know I'm right, and, and, and I'm just waiting for him to come chase me. <laughs> and I get up to, you know, I finally, I don't know, I've been walking five, ten minutes, and I sit on a rock, and I mean, it's, it's pouring down rain. And I finally thought, he, he's not chasing me. And I finally went back down, and by the time I got down there, the tent was completely up. I said, you didn't chase me. That was in my manual. That was in my manual. I probably watched entirely too many Disney programs. (laughs) Because I was the damsel in distress, and my Prince Charming was supposed to come after me, right? It was in the manual. You see, we we have manuals, and you are always doing things. um, You don't even realize it, but, you know, that that aren't aren't right in your husband's manual if you're married. Um, Even children start to have a manual. Some of our manuals actually come from our temperament. They come from um, our personality. They come from the way that our head works. But we need to understand that we need to throw out the manual, because our expectations often get in the way. Somebody once said, expectations are preconceived resentments. They are preconceived. And I'll tell you what, my husband and I do a ton of marriage ministry these days. And if there is one place that I see rob marriages of intimacy, it is unrealistic expectations. And we hold our spouse hostage to unrealistic expectations. We hold our children hostage to unrealistic expectations. I mean, have you ever, ever said to your child, act your age, and then you realize they just did? Hey friends, we're not quite done with this episode yet, but I wanted to hop in here because I told you at the very beginning that I love speaking at live events. So I want you to know about a live event that I am hosting. It's the Empty Nest Full Life Mom Getaway Retreat. Now, if you're an Empty Nest Mom, you need to know about it. And if you know an Empty Nest Mom, you need to share it with her. This will happen October 29th through the 31st, 2021. If you're listening to this, before that date, you can still get in on this year's retreat. And if you're listening to this after that date, that's okay. You can get in on being on a wait list for a future retreat. You can find out all the details over at emptynestbook.com. Just click on retreat. Now back to our episode. See what often happens, and this is where it hurts us, is that we don't realize that um, in those moments, oftentimes we go, act your age, and we don't do the expectation observation and go, oh, wait a minute, he just did. 
I mean, we really need to understand. Dr. Kathy Cook and I wrote about that in our No More Perfect Kids book. One of the things that we talked about is, yes, you need to expect obedience from your kids. Yes, you need to expect responsibility. And you need to expect them to fail at both. See, we, we get number one and number two, but we don't get number three. We really don't. It's like, well, I, once I've said that, I expect them to be little robots and do it right every time. And we don't allow for that human failure part of the journey. And so we need to really examine our expectations. All right, so pay attention to your inner monologue, expectations. Now let's look at assumptions for a minute because, man, this one is robbing us of so much in our relationships. We make unfair comparisons because of our assumptions. That picture that I showed you earlier of my family today, you know, I often give a message when I speak at um, women's events and such, and and I throw that very picture up there, and then I kind of disassemble the picture. Because it's a really good family picture, but if you compare the insides of your family to the outsides of my family, you have made some wrong assumptions. Because there's a lot of pain in my family. There's a lot of struggles. Three of my five kids are not walking with Jesus, but that picture that was up there didn't show you that, did it? I have a son, our adopted son, who has a ton of mental health issues, six suicide attempts. And not only that, but about a week ago, he went off the radar. We don't know where he is. That is not what I expected motherhood to look like. But you see what we begin to do is we make assumptions, and then those assumptions, assumptions, like especially when we look at Instagram or Facebook. Uh, last night, Sally called it fake book. I promise you, if you follow me, it will not be fake book. Because I talk about the real stuff because we have to. We have to. But here's, when it comes to um, assumptions, here's what we need to do. We need to stop committing a suicide. We need to stop committing a suicide. Now, I didn't make up that word. My friend Beth McCord did. And, and Beth says that we commit a suicide when we incorrectly believe we know another person's thoughts, feelings, or motivations. But it also happens when we assume people see the world the way we see it. Okay? Now, let me share a secret with you. They don't. They don't. I don't know how big your family is. If you got one kid and you're married, you got three people under the same roof. If you got more kids, you got four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. I don't know. Heidi St. John's coming this afternoon. She's got a house full. I mean, there's just a million different temperaments and personalities. And oftentimes we commit a suicide with each other and we don't even recognize it. Let me give you an example, okay? Let me give you an example. A suicide can really hurt relationships. And we commit a suicide when we get frustrated with the way that somebody else does something that we think we know the right way to do, okay? 
That's where we begin to particularly begin to do that. Let's see if we can play this out. Okay, there's only one way to fill the dishwasher, and that's my way, and that's the right way. I mean, I really have thought through this because, you know, it gets the most dishes in and it gets them the cleanest. I mean, I've done, I've figured it out very logically, but then that causes feelings. For me, there's anxiety whenever someone else does it because they just might not do it right. And then there's a belief, well, that belief was already there, but you know, I mean, this is the belief, my way is the right way. I mean, I've logically thought through it, and it is the right way. But then there's actions. I tend to criticize how others do it, or I don't say anything. I just go behind them and fix it. (laughs) By the way, they know it. (laughs) They know it. And then the results are, my family doesn't feel valued and they resist filling the dishwasher and not only that they're like oh no I'm not touching that with a 10-foot pole I can't make mom happy I mean it it happens but what if what if we changed the first thing up there the thought only the thought that's all we're going to change and we're going to change that to a different thought And that thought is, there are dozens of ways to fill the dishwasher. There are dozens. Now, here's what I want you to know. You might be able to get one or two or three more dishes in than your child or your husband or whoever it is that's filling the dishwasher. But here's what I've learned, girls. Never sacrifice a relationship on the altar of efficiency. Don't do it. Don't do it. So, there are dozens of ways to fill the dishwasher, which produces the feelings of, I'm grateful when anybody fills the dishwasher, and it causes them to feel safe to do things differently than me. Now, guys, I'm going to be really honest with you. I didn't get this in my early years of motherhood. Mm Mm-mm. That whole first thing, that was mine. And I'm going, why didn't anybody help me around the house? Hello, I produced my own results because it went back to that initial thought that my way was the right way. Well, now there's dozens of ways. I feel grateful. They feel safe. The belief is we can all contribute to doing what needs to be done, even if we do it differently. And then the actions is the family pitches in and the results are things get done and every family member feels safe to be themselves safe to be themselves and that is not always easy god gave you children but they're not little mini me's we need to stop assuming that they will be just like us we need to stop assuming that our husband will do things just like we do that his brain will work the same way We also commit a suicide when we think we shouldn't ask somebody for help. 
I'll tell you what, this happened last weekend. We hosted a couple. We do these um, marriage intensives in our home. Friday, Saturday, Sunday, one couple comes. We work with them for about 20 hours of coaching. Usually they're in crisis, and we try to help them get at least to a healthy place. So we had a couple that was with us last weekend, and, and we kind of, it was right before lunch, and we took a little break, and they were having their own private conversation, and Mark and I leave the room to give them the space to do that, and I knew it was almost time to make lunch. So I go into the kitchen, and I start making lunch, and I see that Mark goes into the family room, and he sits down, and he starts on his phone. And I start fuming. Because I'm going, can't he read the clock? Does he not see that it is almost lunchtime? Does he not know that there are four people that we need to, to feed? And before you know it, I'm starting to commit a suicide. And I know not to do that, but that's where my thoughts started just going, okay? And then immediately I realized what was happening and I took him captive and I went, uh-uh. He doesn't, ha- he doesn't see things the same way I see things. He's not thinking about that right now. My tummy's kind of growling, but his must not be. So I'm, guess what? I just need to go ask him for help. And so I did. I walked into the other room, and I said, hey, babe, would you come and cut the vegetables for lunch? He said, yeah, absolutely. Done. Done. <laughs> Girls, we need to learn to ask for help with words. Stop committing a suicide. (laughs) Pay attention to your inner dialogue on expectations, assumptions, and then finally, lies. Lies. Boy, Grace just set a great foundation for that this morning. Here's what I've learned is we have to put lies to bed and truth in our head. We really have to be intentional about us because our heads are filled with lies about ourselves, about others, about God, about life. And, and if we're not aware of that, there's always a whisper of lies that is coming our way. And so we have to pay attention to what's going on up there. Where am I making assumptions? Where do I have unrealistic expectations? Where am I believing lies about myself? God's word is true north. And, and our, what we have to understand, too, is our thoughts shape our, our vision, our ability to see things. So 10 years ago, when Mark uh, went through that horrible, horrible midlife crisis, and our marriage was in crisis, and our family was in pieces, it would have been really, really easy. And at times, I was tempted to go, well, you are the bigger problem, And then God took me to Matthew 7. I'd read it many times. It's actually underlined in my Bible. If you were close enough, you could see that. And this is what it says in Matthew 7. Why do you see the speck that is in your husband's eye, but don't notice the log that's in your own eye? How can you say to your husband, let me take that speck out of your eye when there's a log in your own eye? You hypocrite, first put Take the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your husband's eye. Now, there's no version of the Bible that says husband, girls. Okay? But I swear, God kind of came down and changed the words on my page. And I really had to look at where did I need to change my thinking? A lot of pride was involved in that. 
And I really had to begin to understand. You see, we choose to see what we see. There's something in um, psychology called confirmational bias. If we believe that our husband is irresponsible, we will only see the things that we will confirm what we believe. But if we believe he's responsible and we will tell ourselves that and we will affirm that in him, we will begin to see those things. What happens up here is so huge. And so the same thing with some of the messages we tell ourselves, like here's a common lie. This is just too hard. I can't do it. During that hard season of my marriage, I probably said that 500 times. During this hard season with our son, Lord, this is just too hard. I can't do it. And God speaks back to me through his word, and he says, no, Jill, Jill, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Here's another one. Maybe this is yours. I've messed up too bad. I'm a failure. I was talking to a mom upstairs about, you know, she was a different mom with her first three kids than she has with her her last uh, one or two. And she feels such guilt over that. Girls, we all will experience mom guilt in some way, and we will have to replace it with mom grace. We have to. You did the best you could do at the time with the knowledge you had. Now you have more knowledge. You would do it differently. But live in God's grace. So I messed up too bad. I'm a failure. Say this truth with me. No, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. Now personalize it. Say this one with me. No, in all these things, I am more than a conqueror through him who loves me. This is so important. And I want you to know, I've created a sheet. It's just a free sheet. You can get it off my website, jillsavage.org thoughts. And you can download it. It's like common lies and then God's truth that refutes it. We need to to understand the lies, but we need to replace it with truth. Here's what I want you to know. Even, Even in that, Google is your friend. Serious. Girls, all you have to do is what are Bible verses about blank. That's it. Bible verses about fear. Bible verses about anxiety. Bible verses about, and you fill in the blank. And I'll tell you what, seriously, it'll come up. It's amazing, but we have to manage that. So one of the lies that I really had to come to deal with, particularly after um, our marriage crisis, is that I believed for many, many years feelings didn't matter. Feelings didn't matter. Because I, I grew up in a loving, healthy home, but we didn't do feelings. Okay, we didn't do emotion. And so as kind of a buck-up mom, I was a buck-up wife, and I was, was buck-up to myself. So... Feelings don't matter. And I remember when we were in our counseling after our crisis, uh, the counselor challenged me on that. And he said, Jill, when did that lie take place? And my first thing to him, my first response to him was, that's a lie? And he said, yes, it's a lie. And I said, how do you know it's a lie? And he said, because you were created in the image of God, and God is a feeling God. Oh. I mean, that was the first time I'd ever thought about it that way. 
And I, I began to ruminate on me, began to think on that. And that's become a, a huge place because I didn't even realize that I was holding myself back from intimacy with my husband. And I'm not talking about physical intimacy. I'm talking about emotional intimacy because I couldn't be vulnerable. And, I, and God began to change that in me. And as he began to change that, I experienced a freedom. But I'll tell you something that happened not too long ago. So my father passed away six months ago. And I had a wonderful daddy. I mean, a daddy that when I, I look at who God is, I don't have any troubles with that. Because my father did love me very much. And I miss him very much. And so we've been going through the grief of that over the last six months or so. And, and uh, Mark, we got in the car to drive somewhere, and I lost my sunglasses, which I do all the time. He only lets me buy sunglasses at the Dollar Tree <laughs> because I lose them all the time. And once again, I couldn't find my sunglasses. And I looked, and in the pocket of my car, there was my sunglasses, or there was a pair of sunglasses. I grabbed them, and then I realized they were actually my dad's sunglasses. Mark had grabbed them and stuck them in the car knowing I would need them sometime. Except, you know, they were the old people's sunglasses that go like this, you know. So, like, I threw them on, and then I said, do I look like my dad? And he said, you do. And then all of a sudden, the tsunami of emotions started to come up. And the old lie kicked back in. Feelings don't matter. Push it down. And then, because I've been working on this for the last six, seven, eight, nine, ten years, all of a sudden, I was like, no, I'm not believing that lie. And I just let it go. I said, I miss my dad. And just bawled my eyes out all the way to where we were going. God has so much for us. The Bible tells us, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Let's renew our minds, girls. Not only that, but I love this in Isaiah. You keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts you. That's saying, when we keep our mind on God, when we keep it on truth, we will experience peace. And you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. These are my closing words to you. Make the thought flee before it becomes a part of me. That's, that's become a prayer of mine lately. I, when I recognize those things that are there, I recognize that I, they're not, I'm, not, I'm not serving them dinner. I'm kicking them out. Expectations, assumptions, and lies take those thoughts captive so they don't take us captive. And quite frankly, girls, you can start when you go home. I want you to know whoever, let's talk about expectations, whoever is caring for the children will not have done it your way. Okay? Let's just get that straight. I know that you cooked and left freezer meals and they will have eaten pizza. Set your expectations accordingly. Secondly, do not assume your way is the only way. Don't. And then don't believe the lie that they did it in a less than or wrong way. God made your husband, your mother-in-law, your sitter in a unique way different than you. Let them bring their strengths to your kids. Your life and my life is a reflection of what we think let God begin to shape your thinking today. Thank you.
Thanks for joining me today on the No More Perfect Podcast. If you haven't already, make sure you subscribe and follow so that you don't miss any future conversations. We also want you to know that we have three free eBooks for you. You can find them at jillsavage.org slash free. You can also find the show notes and links to anything we talked about over at jillsavage.org slash podcast. See you next week for another not perfect, but very important conversation about the real stuff of life.